1: And welcome to World Cup final day, a day that should be a celebration of football. Once every four years in the men's competition, we get to celebrate the 11 best men's players in the world from one country against another, and a few subs coming on to maybe change the game and create a moment that you'll never forget for the rest of time. That will still happen, that will still come, but at the moment, at the forefront In the minds of every single Australian football fan today is an image or images that will also stand the test of time, unfortunately. And a black mark, a horrible mark, a black eye, a huge bruise, whatever you want to call it, it was unforgivable and sickening what happened last night at Amy Park. Uh, Over the next hour or so, we'll talk about the World Cup final a bit later on, but for the majority at the start here, we're going to talk about the events and what they mean for Australian football out of the Melbourne Derby last night, which was abandoned after 20 minutes when fans stormed the pitch and a goalkeeper was hit in the head by a bin used to distinguish, uh, to extinguish flares. Adam Peacock here, so is Scott McDonald. Hello, Scotty. What do you make of the last 24 hours?
2: Um, a lot of anger, you know, I I don't, it's not upset, it's actual anger, um, because we kick ourselves in the, in the, you know, what's time and again, and you will know better than me, Adam, because you've been here right from the very beginning of the A-League, obviously I was overseas starting, you know, doing my, what I was doing over there within my professional career, but this, in my eyes, has to be the darkest day within the whole entity of, of what is the A-League. Um, it's that bad and these shots have been shown all around the world and highlighted uh, about our game. So it, it doesn't make a good light for anyone uh, within this country and, and the actions and the responsibilities that uh, people want to point the finger at, at each other rather than themselves, I think everyone Needs to take a good, long, long, hard look at themselves.
1: So, just to run through, Scotty, you were uh, trying to have a nice romantic dinner with your wife last night. Everyone has their own lives this time of year, everyone's got social engagements. I was actually there, and to be totally upfront about it, I was a member of uh, a, a guest of Melbourne City Football Club, and I was sitting there and I was actually sitting next to ex victory player Fahid Ben Kalfala having a nice chat about football, enjoying the football, great goal from. Aiden O'Neill, but there was something in the air, and ended up after about the 10th minute mark, or after the goal, really watching both sets of fans and what was going to happen in the 20th minute because it had been built up. Melbourne City fans were throwing flares on the field. That's that has to put them in hot water. And what will be will be. At the victory end, there were firecrackers being thrown onto the field and into the air. There were flares being lit. Um, fine. There was a flare thrown sideways into another group of victory fans who didn't expect it. The smoke flares started coming onto the pitch. Tom Glover picked up a couple, flung them back, picked up another, flung it back, went into the crowd. This was about the 21st minute mark, and that's when it kicked off. That's when the fans stormed the pitch. Now, we'll make the point, the 21st minute mark, so one minute after they were meant to go. There was no security around because the security was actually out the back waiting for the fans to walk out. I got the feeling, the distinct feeling, and every time I look back at the moment that it happened as well, is that those so-called victory fans, so-called, were ready to just get onto the field any way they can. An hour before kickoff, where I was, there was rumors going around that of a text message saying, we're going to go onto the field. That was what's happening. I was like, no way that's going to happen. No, surely, surely not. It happened. It happened. So that's the rundown of events, Scotty, as I saw them. And then as soon as the fans ran onto the field, I just walked out. I, was, I nearly threw up in my mouth. Um, what's your reaction to, to all of that, that um, how it all transpired? And obviously, you've seen all the vision this morning and, and the version of events that I've just uh, described.
2: Yeah, look, as always, the good old saying, action speaks louder than words, good or bad, and certainly for the bad last night, that was the case. Um, we were talking midweek as well, Adam, About these uh, protests and how I didn't advocate for, you know, people missing out on games. However, however, I just think fans, are you silly? Like, what are you doing? Do you think a protest leaving a game after 20 minutes is really going to bother anyone at the APL or anyone that's watching the game? Does it bother me? No, you paid your good money to go in in the first place. Don't pay. Don't turn up. That's louder than you walking away after 20 minutes. We don't want this in our game, right? Now, people will point fingers at the APL, and rightly so to a degree, but for what happens there on in for this game, you can't condone any of it. Absolutely not. And look, my thoughts go to Tom at the moment, and who knows psychologically where he is with this now after taking that blow. That, mm. That's the, uh, Obviously, he's had concussion, he's been stitched, but it's the psychological damage for him moving forward that I worry about. Um, and in terms of those players that experienced that last night as well, in terms of how they feel for their safety within games uh, from now on in. However, I'm not gonna turn my back on also the responsibility you have as a professional footballer. Right? He shouldn't have flung the, bo- the, the flare back in there. It incite- It incited the riot. Right, so Tom has to take a level of responsibility as well for that because it's stupid. But what leads on to that is inexcusable from the fans. Right?
1: That, that were coming on. They were coming on anyway, of... Scotty.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, at the end of the day, you throw it back. It's not good. You, you know, in those circumstances, mm. you you cop a lot of crap. And I've been in Glasgow for ten years, and I've copped some stuff on pitch, off pitch. I had to turn my back all the time. Unfortunately, as a footballer, you have to, right? But then when you see 40, 50 people charging you, you've got to get out of there. You've got to think of your safety first. There's no invincibility about being on a football pitch anymore. And yeah. that's that's a worry for me as well.
1: So when, you, when you're playing, just to, to go back and, uh, like, we'd love it for that this not to be a need in, in football, but... It is in, in some parts. I've spoken to Bozza before, and he said before Birmingham derbies, the cops come in and say, listen, this is going to happen. You're going to have helicopters above. If this happens, that happens. This is how you deal with it. Do you get the same over there in, in Glasgow, Scotty, before an old firm?
2: Yeah, absolutely, before the start of the season as well, and then they'll come in the week before as well, and they'll give you the rundown of what's going to happen, how this, if this happens, if that happens, how you react, how you respond. Do not incite a riot. Because that's, again, you'll be charged. Yeah. And that, that that's how it was put across to us.
1: Yeah. Um, shout out, though, as you say, to, to Tommy Glover, who is shaken today. We understand he's, he's resting. He's got concussion symptoms still. Um, shout out to, I've got to say, to, to Alex King, the Victory supporter liaisons and the one or two security guards that were left there who put themselves in the line of fire. L- literally anything could have happened last night. If Tom Glover goes down under the weight of that uh, flare extinguisher, bin whatever it is and then there's a there's a serious pylon there's there's some (laughs) we're talking about something far worse today so so the people that put themselves in the line of fire fair play and and Alex King is very much at the forefront of that he's one of the best refs going around and he's a cracking bloke as well so hopefully he's not scarred by that because we need people like him in our game and not the people that ran on um I don't know Scotty um just the 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 tension in the air um and now everything's going to be about, well, who's culpable? who Who's to blame for all of this? Um, I wrote this morning on Code Sports or last night, while still angry, that one wrong and a much worse wrong certainly doesn't make a right. I still believe it was the wrong decision to hold, uh, to, to move the grand finals. But that's by the by. That, that's taken one part of the conversation and then taken it off in another what happened last night. I, I don't mind how the fans reacted to the The two other games yesterday, Scotty, I'm a bit away from you. If they want to go to the game, spend their money and walk out, that's their right, but do it peacefully, and they did it really well. Um, I, I don't think anyone in Australian football disagrees with that this morning.
2: But Adam, you're not causing any like your your protest is is not doing anything for me. It's, it's not yeah, it's not actually causing anything or any damage towards the league itself because you're still supporting the league. the The APl is, is still taking your money right if you're not if you're that annoyed by the decision you don't come you just fully turn your back the coming and protesting after the 20th minute for me is is a waste of time because after it's done and we keep seeing it it's like almost like when all the players are taking the knee becomes a, a like a thing where people just oh well you know there they go again it doesn't have the same effect yeah speak with your pocket speak with your money
1: Let's get a fan's perspective now from Melbourne Victory. And uh, Andrew is joining us right now. He's from the For Vux Sakes, Strong V on that um, uh, podcast. And it's the the number one Melbourne Victory fan podcast. These guys love the club um, dearly. And I dare say this morning has been a hard one for them. Andrew, um, because of your attitude towards the City Football Group and and what they do with Australian football, you don't go to City home games. So uh, you weren't there last night. But obviously watching intently on the screen, what's your immediate reaction to to what went down there, especially at uh, the, the victory end?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for for giving fans a voice. Um, great to be here. Um, first and foremost, I think well wishes need to go to Tom Clover, referee Alex King, the Channel 10 camera operator, and any of the Melbourne Victory supporter marshals that may have been were injured in in the events that happened last night. So first and foremost, our thoughts as as a supporter base and as a podcast go out to them, and we hope that they're all doing okay. Um, I guess the um the, the first feeling that comes to mind is just utter disappointment. Um, on on a number of levels really. It's uh, first of all, it probably undermines the entire campaign um that's been launched this week, um, in, in regards to the APL's decision to move the grand final to Sydney. Um, but then it just sort of it spills over into damage into the perception of football fans and football fan culture in Australia. Um, the damage to uh, Melbourne Victory as a club and the great people that work so tirelessly there with us as fans and I guess just the damage, the potential damage going forward you know, to the, the stifle the growth of, of not only the club um, but the game in this country so it's just an overriding sense of disappointment and, and frustration that we simply just didn't stick to the plan
2: Yeah, hi Andrew, it's Scott McDonald here. You talk about the plan uh, there must have been discussions obviously within the supporters group the active support as well in terms of what the protest was going to look like um, what were these protests actually meant to be looking like you know within the 20th minute or whatever it was that protest usually happens.
3: Well. Uh... God, I think it it was pretty much we were all under the impression that it was going to be aligned with all the other supporter groups and what we'd already seen on the weekend. Once the, the 20th minute hit, um, fans would vacate the stands, like the active fans would vacate the stands and then disperse to 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 various pubs to, to either finish watching the game or, or, or just to go have a chat about, you know, why we're doing this. Um, I didn't really... From a personal point of view, although I'm not really privy to sort of ton of the detail of of the active group's plans, but I had I never really imagined that it was going to go beyond anything than just a twenty minute walkout. So this is as shocking to me as as it is to everybody else.
1: Andrew, just um, what happens now, mate? It's it's in the lap of the gods. Um... To a point about, I don't know, points deductions, fines, stadium bans, closed doors, matches, whatever. Are you fearful for the immediate future of the club that you love?
3: Oh, look, I, I think you, I think you have to be. Um, we have to just sit and wait for a, whatever comes our way, and we we don't really have a leg to stand on after after the, the scenes from last night. So we just have to wait and see, and and hope that. Um, you know the appropriate punishments are handed out and the appropriate action is taken, but not at the detriment of the club that we love, um, because there's there's a lot of victory fans out there, and uh, and I think the overriding um, sort of sentiment from fans is is disgust at what happened, and and uh, and whilst we know as a collective we we have to now cop it for for a small few that have done the wrong thing, but we we just hope that a this hasn't done irreversible damage to our club um, and and the game as a whole because uh, you know it, you're a victory fan because y- you love football first and foremost and um, the the sentiment from from the community that we've built as a podcast is, is 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 heartbreak as well just not knowing now or just when things seem so bright you know the. The sentiment that that came from the World Cup, and then the 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 optimism to to capitalise that, and it's just seen Australian football twice. I think once from an administration point of view, and now from fans to shoot themselves in the foot. And for some of us that have been around for a number of years, it just feels all too familiar.
1: Andrew, really appreciate your time today, mate. I know you um you and your mates are hurting. Um. And what happens now with the football club and and the next game and the game after that, I'm I'm not sure, mate. But uh, keep supporting. I'm sure you will. And uh, appreciate your time on the global game.
3: Thank you very much, Adam and Scott.
1: So what happens now? We'll discuss that after the break on the global game. You're with Adam Peacock and Scott McDonald. Yeah, welcome back to the Global Game. Thanks to Kraken.com, your secure crypto partner. Get in the game at Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Before we get Scott's take on what now and where it's all headed, let's hear now from Football Australia CEO, James Johnson, speaking
4: about the events at Amy Park in the Melbourne Derby. I'll start with saying that I'm uh, horrified. I'm irritated. I'm angry with the scenes witnessed at Amy Park uh, last night. We have a case of some individuals. I will not refer to them as fans of football. I'll refer to them as individuals who have confronted and uh, attacked a player and a match official. We have been in touch with the APL, with the clubs, uh, and I've personally spoken with both Tommy uh, and Alex as well, who are right in the centre of the pitch invasion, who I'm happy to report um, are are healthy, but they are shaken up. This is the first investigation. It will be to determine what the outcome of last night's match will now be since it was abandoned before the final whistle. That is the first uh, focus of the investigation. The second will be a show cause uh, process that will be opened uh, with Melbourne Victory. And the third focus of the investigation will be against uh, the individuals who we are seeking to uh, to name, we're seeking to identify, and we will seeking to sanction individuals. This pitch invasion—I want to be clear about this—it has nothing to do with the grant groundswell and the rising of our game. The parent that takes their child uh, to grassroots football in Brisbane or the young boy who plays in our elite pathways in Perth or the 40-year-old woman who plays um, amateur football in Sydney or the fans who peacefully protested in Central Coast Mariners uh, in, in the Wellington game and Newcastle game or the other 2 million people across the sport who love and support our game. This is not about them. It has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with the 2 million people who love and support our game week in, week out. This is an element that goes beyond football. It's an element that infiltrates our game and that really try to ruin it for the 2 million people who love our sport. And it's those people that we will be targeting in this investigation and who we will weed out of the sport. Strong stuff
1: from James Johnson, who wasn't here in 2015 when uh, there was the, the huge blow-ups with the the fans back then, and the walkouts, and the 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 feeling of disunity that is very much apparent uh, to in today's game as well. He's from Football Australia, which again, reiterating, Football Australia have the disciplinary um, control over things like happen on the pitch and indeed in the stands at games, but they don't have the control of the day-to-day runnings and the finances of the A-League because that's now in the realm of the APL. Scotty McDonald, what do you make of all of this? Um, You know James Johnson quite well. He was your teammate in uh, the under-17s way back when um, for for the Joeys, but uh, thoughts on that, mate?
2: Look, he spoke excellently there, and I think he's correct in terms of... um Without saying it, it doesn't harm the game as a whole. The, the the people who still enjoy and love the game will still play the game. However, what's damaged is, is the A Leagues itself and the pitches that were seen uh, and the harm it's caused in terms of if you're a you know a non-football lover or someone who's new to the game or or someone who's just you know, experience what you've experienced going to that game last night, you don't want to borrow that again. You don't want to be involved in that. You don't want to go to games like that. So, the level of trust within our national game now, in terms of at the highest level within the A League, it's going to take a while for that to, to that trust to come back for a lot of people. Um, but the sport that people love and, and play at grassroots and at their local clubs and everything else, look, the game will still thrive in, in those areas. It's life goes on and moves on. Uh, it's not that we want to move on from this and, and not learn from it, but the game will continue to thrive regardless of this incident, but it will take a while. It will take a while.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard not to, get, not to get over-emotional about it because we all love it so much. However, the, the immediate concerns I have are things like Liberty, their uh, sponsorship of the A-League women's is up. Why would they want to be involved? Uh, Newcastle Jets, they're still up for sale. How are they going to find an owner now? Other sponsorships that are available and hopeful of not only the APL clubs getting, but also they're trying to commercialise the Australia Cup and send that to market in terms of getting some sponsors. How is that going to go down, those negotiations? So in the in the medium, in the short term, in, t- in a pure financial sense, it hurts the game. In a, I, I agree with you, Scotty, that the game will survive. Like If it all pairs back the, the A-Leagues and goes back to what you were involved with back in the day... There's still going to be 15-year-old Scott McDonald's of today being able to be good enough to prove themselves at the highest level in Australia that's available to them to go overseas. The development will continue. It's just not at the high level in a, in a, in a professionalism sense, perhaps, that it's going to happen. But there will still be something there left after the burning embers.
2: I, I, absolutely. The, the dream will still be there to dream you know, for these young, aspiring footballers. Um, within our country and, and wanting to better themselves. And maybe at leads to a better pathway of, of, you know, the route that the likes of myself and the Harry Kules the, and, and the Mark Vadukas and everyone else, they left early and went overseas and, and played their trade at the elite levels in within European game. And I think we're starting to see that a lot more, again, within our youth that they are wanting to go and venture further afield than stay here in the A-Leagues because they don't see the future being within the, the levels of the A-League or, or Australian football anymore. And Asia's now dried up in terms of the cash that was once there for A-League players. So now the dream has to go and you have to go to Europe to better yourself. Um, and I think we're going to benefit from that at a national team level for the years to come. However, on the, the local stage, on a national stage, is where there is a real worry and a concern of how things move forward. And, and realistically, you're asking how things move forward. Well, look, there, there has to be... Arrest. there has to be jail sentences for me after what I seen last night, without question. Sanctions on both clubs because Melbourne City active support through flares and everything on as well. It wasn't just victory ones. Mm -hmm. Um, There should be games behind closed doors, in my eyes, to punish uh, both sets in terms of the organisation for what it was. The APL should be sanctioned as well as, you know, in my eyes because of the organisation of last night. Because they're in control of, of what goes on within that football match. Correct me if I'm wrong or right within that in terms of the security around the stadium, Adam. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and look, I... W-
1: I think the APL will be sanctioned by the fact that the police will just come down hard and say, look, you're not opening your stance for the next game or whatever. I, I, I actually think points deductions are the answer here, unfortunately. Fines won't work. Fines are... We got ourselves into this mess on the basis of a financial decision. I don't think financial sanctions are going to change much, Scott. I, and as much as I feel for the fan, uh, the players and the coaches, I'd go six points victory, three points city. Too harsh?
2: Yeah. But, well, again, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know in terms of the city end. I think a fine would be enough for, for Melbourne City. Uh, they did throw flares. it's not the first time we've seen this and there has been fines before. so uh, if you're going to make that stance then fair enough, Adam, then that has to be forthcoming and, and continuous throughout now yep. that you're gonna you know deduct you know, points every time this situation occurs. Um, but I want to go to the APL board as well. Uh, and I sincerely believe that they should all be considering their places on that board right now and, re- and considering resignation because this is an abomination of our game, and they're at the forefront of it. So Danny Townsend's right at the front. If you're at the helm as a head coach or a player and your performances aren't there, people are asking for your head, right? And they seriously need to consider their positions because how the game moves forward, are they inciting it further by being a part of it? And they have to ask that question for themselves.
1: That's that's the big call, and that is the question for themselves because at the moment they are in control of their own destiny. They wanted control of their own destiny. They've got control of their own destiny. Have they done what they said they were going to do with that destiny? I, I, I had a discussion, a deep discussion with um, one of the, the the people high up in the APL, and I won't disclose his his name because um, and it's not Danny Townsend by the way, but it's it's someone involved um, at the very top about how all this pans out on the basis of their board being six of seven people financially invested in the day-to-day running and all power to them because they're putting the money in. That's great. But there's no checks and balances and there's decisions being made on the basis of the financial good of the game, (laughs) but they've all got self-interest in the financial good of the game because they've got their monies in their pocket, paying the bills. So there's no clarity in terms of, hang on a minute. What does this mean in a wider sense? Will this benefit the game in a wider sense? And I'm not saying if there's independence on the board, that this decision wouldn't have been made. It might have been made, but would the consultation have been the same? Would the communication have been the same? I doubt it.
2: Again, communication's key here. And this is the concerning thing for me, Adam, right? We've had statements from everyone, bar the APL come out so far.
1: It is coming this afternoon, I'm told. last night. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Oh, well, that's that's timely, isn't it? You know, everyone else has had their mo- A- AFA FA were bang on straight away after the game. Why is it taking them so long to make this statement when it's their game? Shocking.
1: Can't answer that one, Scott. But, um, yeah, love your opinions because you're never short of one, mate. You're never short of one. So, hey, what we're going to do after the break There's a World Cup final a few hours away. So we might talk about it on the global game if you don't mind. Back in a sec. Yeah, you wouldn't bloody know it in Australia this morning, but uh, there's a World Cup final to be played over in uh, in Doha, and we're looking forward to it, of course. And let's get to today's hot topic with myself, Adam Peacock, and Scott McDonald on the global game. Thanks to Guzman E. Gomez, uh, fast food that athletes say yes to. Scott, simple question, hot topic, who wins the World Cup? Oh,
2: is it simple question? That's a tough one. It is. It is <laughs> a mean, it, it is, you know. Um, I've been... Laying down all week, it's the prince versus the king of the game for this one. Um, and who's actually going to take the crown home? I just have a sneaky feeling that Argentina are going to be crying once again. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm a romantic. I picked Argentina to win this tournament as well. Yeah, And my heart says I, I, I want to see Lionel Messi be crowned the World Cup champion. And finally, all those doubters just... Put to bed, you know. If that's if that's what they want to say, he's the all time best ever. Then so be it. Mm. However, I just have flashbacks to 2018 and and Kylian Mbappe and how he destroyed them in that game, and athletically how good they are up top, France, and and I think they're going to cause a lot a lot of problems to Argentina in this final. Fair enough.
1: I I will edge towards Argentina because I think they can. In my opinion, and I've watched France a lot this World Cup. Watched them live about three times. Is that in the middle of the park now? Rabi'o coming back really helps because he's at box to box. He he covers a lot of ground, but they can get really out of whack in the middle of the park, and that's where Argentina can attack them. Now Scaloni, as we've talked about, Scott Scaloni is a very very tactically um, adjustable manager. He 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 can find things in a game and he'll he'll change it in a game as well. I'm not saying Didier Duchamp is, is not adept in this area, but Scaloni's clever and uh, I, I just think they'll come up with a plan to, to try and attack them there and that's why I'm just going towards Argentina. Griezmann, for me, for France, is is the one. Can you stop him, Scotty? And if coaches had on, how would you go about trying to nullify his input in the game?
2: It's very difficult. Um, he's been wonderful this, this whole tournament hasn't he? You know, in terms of the, the spaces he, he picks up and, and just the creativity that he's had for, for France. Uh, my biggest question in this game is who's going to dom- dominate possession? Who's going to mm. be the one that wants to sit off and allow the other opposition to have more ball? Or are we going to go toe-to-toe and go end-to-end? I can't see that happening. I, I think there's going to be a little bit like when Argentina played the Dutch. it will be to and fro. There will be Times where Argentina will dominate the game, and, and then the turnover will happen, and then they'll drop off, and France will do the same. Obviously, this the first goal is so crucial in a final. We all know that psychologically as well. To come back from that, um, it'd be actually a good stat to have I've had to see how many teams have won from coming coming from behind in a World Cup final. Um, but I just see that France might just invite Argentina onto them a little bit, just because of the pace that they have of the Dembélé. And then Mbappe to catch them on the counter, uh, just like they did. I thought very, very well. Deschamps' setup was was excellent against Morocco, and he was a- allowing Morocco to come out and have more ball possession because they haven't done it all all tournament. And the only way to try and make them vulnerable was to try and find the gaps when they could catch them on the counter, like they did mm. for the goal for the first goal. So I could see that being the case once again.
1: Yeah, fascinating tactic. It, it is such a good matchup. The, the two sides, um, because we know exactly how France are going to play. They'll set up 4-3-3 and they'll play the way they do. Argentina have got the adjustability, as as mentioned. It's it's intriguing, the, the contest. How do you see, and I don't know, Scott, about tournament football, you've played it, um, when you get to a game like this, does the the effort that is put in, and we ask this all the time at the end of a tennis grand slam, for instance, that the effort to get into the final, how much of a factor is it once you get to the final in terms of mainly physically but mentally. It, it is a big thing mentally and the the, the fact that the, the games have come thick and fast at this World Cup like never before, is that a factor or not really because emotion overrides that?
2: Um, I think when you're one of the elite nations, I don't think it's as big a, a problem for you as as what it is, the so-called smaller ones, i.e. the, the Moroccos or even Croatia to an extent. If they got to the final and the effort that they put in there, that was my thought of either Croatia or, or Morocco getting there, that they'd already played their final getting into the final. And then if they were going to play uh, France or Argentina, that they would lose that game just pure because of the efforts they put in. And we've seen Regagui after the game yesterday say that his team was, you know, out of legs, they were done. Um, This Argentina side, if you're going to say between the two, I think they'll feel it more than probably what France will do. France have been here before. majority of these players played in the World Cup final four years ago. They know what it takes to get there. Uh, Argentina have had some difficult games, albeit they won 3-0 the last game. Um, But the weight of the nation is heavy. It's much heavier on Argentina going into this game than what it is France and the expectations and what it means to one little guy that's standing across from you and what you need to do for him in this game.
3: Mm,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Messi, what does it mean if he if he actually lifts that trophy? Does it mean anything over his overall legacy or is that already in concrete?
2: Look, his legacy is already all over in concrete. What it does is it lifts the shadow of Diego Maradona off him. I think that's the biggest one um, and it puts him as even bigger than than what Maradona is as a god to that nation. I I feel anyway. I just feel that that's always playing over his head for as long as Maradona's obviously won a World Cup and he hasn't. I think that will always be the argument in his home nation. Regardless of what everyone thinks all over the world, I think what matters to Lionel Messi that his own people respect him more than anyone else. I think that's what he wants and desires more than the rest of the world. I think... He's always had an uphill struggle and a battle because he lived in Barcelona a lot of his life as well that a lot of people questioned early on. Is his commitment to Argentina? Is he really Argentinian? I think he's shown that over the last decade that he is um, and how much he loves his country. And this would be the icing on the cake in terms of either being as an equal to Diego Maradona, to his people, or, or above.
1: It's, it says a bit about Argentinian football um, that they, they don't even have they don't just have one in the discussion as the greatest player of all time but they have another and and regardless of whatever Messi does for the, the the little bit left in his career he'll never surpass diego in the eyes of Argentinians because it's impossible to surpass diego maradona but he could get to that level it's it's quite intriguing what they've they've given men's world football it's it's incredible
2: yeah oh look i think as well because he was a man of the people, and he was from Buenos Aires. Diego Maradona, whereas Messi's from Rosario, which is more of a posher area, so to speak. It's not; it's a middle class sort of city compared to Buenos Aires. And there's little things like that that, over the course as well, that have, you know, gone against Lionel Messi a little bit in terms of his legacy and how he's got to where he's got to. But that that all goes out the window, obviously, if he wins this World Cup, then. Yeah, for me, but he's already surpassed in my yeah. uh, in my eyes. You know, the, the other great man.
1: I, I, I saw it on social media the other day about Diego about the, the nineteen ninety World Cup final when they're singing the anthems. I don't know if you saw it, Scott, and they pan down and all the Italian crowd are, are, are whistling the Argentinian anthem. They pan down, they get to Maradona and he's swearing his head off. <laughs> He's like calling the crowd names. He's shaking his legs and he's getting himself ready. But that that kind of resonates with fans, doesn't it? That kind of that kind of um, reaction to de- it, it, well, defend he, the flag.
2: Yeah, and he was the guy that if you I, I was a bit like if you antagonised me, I actually became a better player. I hmm. loved that you love the people to 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 spur you on.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. In closing, Scott, definitely France for you or definitely Argentina?
2: Look, uh, definitely France. I'm going to upset a lot of people, but I I just think France uh, have just got another gear. There you
1: go. I'll go Argentina 2-1, so we'll disagree again. Done it a few times this show.
2: Reversing. And more of it. (laughs) I'm going 2-1 the other way. Fair
1: enough. Now, before the break, let's get an odds update from uh, Tom Haylock. Thanks to Betfair. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah, we're up to the World Cup final, Argentina versus France. Head over to betfair.com.au for all the latest markets. We've got plenty going on at betfair.com.au. Argentina, go in as slight favourites, $2.86. You can lay them at $2.88 at the moment. France, $2.92. The draw, $3.20. As you know, we've teamed up with Stats Insider throughout the World Cup. We are heading to the crescendo here they have got a couple of recommended bets for us. They think the draw is under the odds. They've got the draw marked uh, longer than it currently is at $3.20. So they rec- we could recommend laying the draw at $3.25. We think there'll be a result in the final. Uh, we've also keen, Stats Insider are also keen that there will be over two and a half goals. So they're keen to back uh, over two and a half goals at $2.42 there. Interested to see how you go. I'm cheering on France here. Toulouse 92. I might lay the draw according to Stats Insider. I'll be backing them in. They've been hitting the hitting the jackpot all tournaments. And we head into Argentina versus France, the World Cup final. Head over to betfair.com.au for all the latest.
1: That update. Thanks to Betfair. Don't settle for the odds given. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Global Game. This is our final segment of our final World Cup Daily Show. Scott McDonald. So is it sad? Is it happy? I don't know. I'm somewhere in between. Alex is happy. He's, he's had it. <laughs> he's absolutely had it, producer <laughs> yeah. Alex.
2: Oh, it's been great. It's been great for our game. It's been good to hear so many different opinions and voices throughout, not just mine and yours, um, throughout this whole World Cup campaign. And it's something that our game thoroughly needs, and it's been enjoyable.
1: I, um, Scott, did you watch the third and fourth playoff last night? <laughs>
2: um, no, my uh, my commitment was to the hoops last night. I managed to watch Andrew's, uh hoops win 1-0 um, and fell asleep for the third and fourth playoff. Just like I said, midweek, it really wasn't on the radar for me, that one.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. And especially with the a condensed World Cup, really, they should have looked at it and gone. I, I was actually looking forward to it because it gave another chance for Morocco, but on reflection, it's like, those players were cooked, and every single club manager would have been watching that game going, if this gets hurt, I'm going to be so angry. So, and, um, how did Celtic go, mate?
2: You know what? It was like watching them all again, deja vu from the Sydney. However, they got actually over the line and won the game in the 86 minute. Carolyn McGregor, the, the captain, scoring a wonderful uh, goal from long range, but Jeez, it was like the Alamo, like eighty-three <laughs> percent possession. Eighty-three to yeah, against Aberdeen. Like Aberdeen, like did not come out the woodwork till the eighty-six minute, and then they started attacking, and it was scratching my head. going. hang on a minute. This game was so.
1: Look, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I remember Celtic winning a game with eleven percent possession against Barcelona, and you weren't complaining on that particular day about the no, standard of football. No, no, that's
2: right. <laughs> But in terms of the the, the the punching above your weight type of scenario, I think there's a little bit of difference between Barcelona and Celtic than Aberdeen and so. And particularly when you're playing in front of your home fans, Adam. Yeah. Aberdeen were at home. They're third in the league, and they just didn't they didn't even have a swipe at Celtic till they conceded. It was it was poor to watch, it really was. And a lot of pundits are saying the same thing.
1: But that's what that's what Ange's football does to the 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 thought track of. Opposition managers going into a game, it's like, oh, we know they're going to have lots of possession, so let's set up this way. He it, 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 it wins half the game before the game starts these days at the moment.
2: Well, he does, and, and, but the other thing is as well that's going against them right now is that you know you can sit in a low block against them and they're struggling to break you down. They haven't scored a lot of goals in those situations, so people are looking at that, trying to frustrate them and playing a back five and a low block, and mm. those you know inverted fullbacks and how they like to, to move the, within their system, it nullifies it because you're that low block that it doesn't move anyone, so they're comfortable, and, and they don't have a target man in, in the middle of the box to to chuck one in there when, when it's so tight, and that's that's a big problem because they try and actually walk it in at times.
1: The leagues are coming back um bit by bit. They'll be back in their entirety just after Christmas. But uh, I saw the championship last night. The Aussies involved. I think Tommy Rogic had his first start, was it, or uh, for West Brom second start? But they had a three 0 win, so they're going in the right direction, which is which is good to see. It's it's a big what if, isn't it, Scotty, about Tom Rogic and if it was. If you had three more months, maybe of games under his belt, does he make the World Cup? But wish him all the best for for uh, his time at West Brom and try and get promoted. It's a chance because you can. You, funny things happen in that division, as you know.
2: Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see if we ever see him in a green and gold jersey once again. He scored a wonderful goal last week against mm. Sunderland, though. You know, and, that, and that's that's what he gives you. He's, he, he's class on the ball. And the Celtic actually miss him as well. We were talking about that last night watching the game and. As much as I ride, he's nice to watch. It's, uh, you know, Celtic could do with Tommy Rogic in there at the moment. I tell you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I love it when Sunderland get beat, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> old habits, old habits never die, Scotty. <laughs> never die. Anyway, mate. Yeah, I know. Um, in closing, uh, and you'd probably echo the sentiments uh, as we finish this little program after the, the, the last 24 hours. I'm going to go out and watch my son play football and I'm going to enjoy watching my son play football. Even if he plays badly, if he plays average, if he plays good, I, I don't care. I just want to go and watch young kids trying to get the most out of themselves as footballers and whatever happens, off spins off the back of that for them personally will happen. Whatever happens of the game, it'll still be there and I'll still be there watching the game and you're probably the same, Scotty.
2: Correct. It's exactly what I'm going to go and do now. My son wants to go and play. I'm on holiday. We're going to go down the beach and we're going to get the ball out and we're just going to have some fun. And that's what it's all about.
1: Absolutely. Enjoy the World Cup final, mate. And um, thanks to your company on this and to anyone else who was on the show. You know who you are. Well, I hope so because I've forgotten all your names because I don't have them listed right here. Whoever hosted and sat in this chair and <laughs> helped out with the show. But, um, yeah, Scotty, really appreciated the chat, mate. It's been, it's been fun. We'll We'll do it again soon
2: absolutely more arguments and discussions to have yeah exactly and
1: a massive shout out to producer alex go on take the mic alex you you were great mate uh, you were here you were the constant you were here the whole time
0: i was here every day it was good fun um from the start listening to simon and Coszy in doha to you guys coming in adam you've done a fantastic job job uh, james dodd richie garcia filled in for a little bit adam kwasnik alex brosk um, and we're back all to do it again. Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, Simon and Broski be back. We'll be taking your calls. We're very, very keen to hear all your thoughts on everything that's happened over the course of the World Cup and uh, this weekend, this as, weekend well. as well. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: the dust would have settled a bit by then. But uh, on behalf of Alex and Scott, I'm Adam Peacock. Thanks for listening to The Global Game. Long live football.